today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. imagine for a moment. The most beautiful wedding ceremony you have ever seen, the most beautiful bride you've ever beheld in your life. And by the way, guys, you're saying, yeah, that was my wife. That was my wife. Don't forget that, okay? Uh, okay. The most beautiful bride that you've ever seen, the most glorious wedding ceremony that you've ever seen, it's nothing compared to the beauty of this bride, because there's not a stain. There's nothing at all faulty about this. She has the glory of God around her. Now that's powerful. The glory of God around her. And that's you and I. John had visions of brilliant, precious stones that we read about in Revelation. Pastor David is relating that to a bride. Think of the most beautiful bride you've ever seen. Now consider the fact that we are the bride of Christ. He makes us more beautiful than any bride before us. We become someone so breathtaking. That is really hard to wrap our minds around, but we need to. The Lord loves us so much, and we need to let that sink in. We live our lives like we're alone, yet we are betrothed to God. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 21 with today's edition of The Open Word. It says the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, not the snowman, but the other kind of abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There is a definite and expressed difference between those who have entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and those who have not. So we need to be careful to understand that God isn't at this point in time dividing between good works and bad works here. And if you did the good works, you're going to be saved. If you did the bad works, you're, you're lost forever. What he's speaking about is the difference between those who are his... Be my son, I'll be his God. And those that are not, the cowardly, the immoral, the the abominable, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers. That's what he's speaking. He's listing here the practiced sins of the children of this world. And every one of us are guilty of, of some of these. You understand that. And if not, again, as I said, if not all of these sins listed here, we are truly guilty of some. And again, when a life truly comes to Christ, though, your life is changed when you come to Christ. That used to be the descriptor of your life before Christ. And what was the descriptor of your life before Christ is no longer your descriptor. It's definitely not who you are 
today. It may be what you do at times, but it is not who you are. You have been changed. You have been born again. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. That's if that is true in your life. If conversion is true in your life, then according to God's word, you are no longer what you were. But pastor, sometimes I still do those things. We'll look at that in a moment. But listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Listen to what Paul says to the church. Do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, if that's all there was, then forget it. I'm cooked. But then again, my righteousness is not found in me. My righteousness is found in Christ. He goes on here. He says, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to what he says. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Guilty? Amen. But my guilt has been paid for by Christ. That does not then free me to go ahead and become a thief or covetous or a drunkard or a reviler. That doesn't free me. But what that says is the consequences, the eternal consequences of my sin were placed on Christ. I have been washed. I've been sanctified, set apart. I have been justified. He justified my sin, justified my life by taking it upon himself. Paul is really very clear here. He lists the sins. This was the essence of who we were outside of Christ. But when we came to Christ, the essence of our very nature and our very life changes. That's born again. We're not the same. But I still sin, Pastor. Yes, you absolutely do. We're going to have a time of counseling a little bit later for those of you who still sin. But we'll look at that in just a moment. We become the very children of God when we are converted, when we change when we are born again. When we by faith put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we repent from our sin, we turn to Christ, we surrender our life to him. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not just turning over a new leaf. It's not just deciding to be spiritual or churchy or whatever you want to do. No, it is a new life experience that has to take place in an individual's life. And it's then that you are washed, that you are sanctified, that you are justified. Peter, remember, he acted cowardly in that courtyard on the night that Jesus was betrayed. But you know what? He wasn't a coward. He was a child of God. 
we look at the situation, David committed adultery and David murdered Bathsheba's husband. We understand that. We know that. But the essence of who he was was a child of God. But he failed. But praise God, in our failure, it doesn't bring condemnation. Conviction, absolutely. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and brings conviction. And he says, you're my child. Why are you living like that? You're my child. You ought to be living your life for my glory. And sometimes, yes, he does bring us to the woodshed. He will take us to the woodshed. And for all of those of you who are under 30, he'll discipline us, okay? That's what that means. He will take care of the situation for us. He disciplines us back to himself to reconcile us back to himself. And on and on we could go. Not only Peter, not only David, we could go through that whole roll call of the faithful that's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And every one of these guys and gals, you see where they've messed up and they've messed up and they've messed up. But you know what? They were children of God. They were men and women of faith who, on occasion, blew it. And yet they're in the roll call of faithful. They're the ones that we look and say, wow. They're that cloud of witnesses that stands before us that Hebrews tells us, whereby we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us then run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That cloud of witnesses can look at you and I and say, man, I know right where you're at. But get up, keep your eyes on Christ, run with patience the race that's set before you. That's the hope of what God does within our life. The essence of who those were, they were changed by the power of God. That doesn't justify the sins committed by them or by ourselves. It's just the spiritual reality. This is the only way that you can look at that passage there in Revelation 21, verse 8, where it says the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderous, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, the liars, they shall have part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. That's the only way that you and I can look at that and really gain an understanding. That's because that's who they are. We are, if you've come to Christ, you are a child of God. And as a child of God, do you occasionally do these things? Every once in a while, children of God do those things. It's either that or we try to lie to ourselves and to God and say, yeah, but I don't do that anymore. And you know what? That's a lie to yourself. It's a lie to God, and it goes against Scripture. John tells us in his first epistle, he says, if we say that we have no sin, and by the way, that's present tense, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, that's past tense, then we make him to be a liar because he says, you did sin and you need a savior. He says, well, that wasn't me. It was my brother. You know, we did that when we were kids, didn't we? But now we're grown up. Now it's time to fess up. Say, yeah, Lord, it is me and I have sinned and I do need your forgiveness. I need your continual washing. I need your continual cleansing in my life. So we have present tense you say that we have not sinned, that's past tense. But then he goes on to say, my little children, 
These things I write to you so that you may not sin. That's the future tense. But then he goes on to say, but if any of you does sin, with that understanding, past, present, future, all of it together, you have absolutely no chance of ever entering God's celestial kingdom. Is that what it says? No. It says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is that great theological word, the propitiation of our sins. The absolute, full, and complete payment. Nothing else owed. Nothing else you could even put on top of it. It is done. It is complete. He himself is the propitiation of our sins, and not of ours only, but also for the whole world. And again, that comes to me, and it speaks that the sin of that one who has not received Christ, don't you know that your sin is paid for? The gift is yours, but you need to receive it. You need to accept it. He paid not only for my sin, but he paid for the whosoever's. But the problem is there's a lot of those whosoever's that never will. And that's why, again, few that are going to be saved. But the drop of Jesus Christ was powerful enough to save the world for those that would come to him. Those who have been redeemed, At this point in time, as we look back in Revelation 21, they're in the presence of God Almighty, and God declares, I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now John continues on in the Revelation. He says in verse 9, Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked to me, saying, Come, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. So the description is there, pretty clear. Who are we looking at? We are looking at the bride, the lamb's wife. Who do we know that the bride is? It's the church. We see that all through the New Testament, that the church is the lamb's bride. And he carried me away, verse 10, he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Absolutely beautiful. That's what we're talking about. That's who you and I are. We are the bride of Christ. I'm not into visualization, okay? So just imagine for a moment. The most beautiful wedding ceremony you have ever seen, the most beautiful bride you've ever beheld in your life. And by the way, guys, you're saying, yeah, that was my wife. That was my wife. Don't forget that, okay? Uh, okay. The most beautiful bride that you've ever seen, the most glorious wedding ceremony that you've ever seen, it's nothing compared to the beauty of this bride because there's not a stain. There's nothing at all faulty about this. She has the glory of God around her. Now that's powerful. The glory of God around her. And that's you and I. We are, if you know Christ, you are the bride of Christ. And I know for a lot of us guys, it's tough to understand that. The women get it a whole lot better than the guys do, but guys, it's okay, okay? You don't have to take your man card away to understand that you are the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. It says, her light 
was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Here we see the bride, the lamb's wife, also known as the church. It's us as the bride. We make up the new Jerusalem. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture as you think once again how God's love for that city, for that city of Jerusalem all through the ages, God's love for Jerusalem was announced over and over and over again all through the scriptures. That new Jerusalem is the church. John goes on to describe her beauty as best he knew how, as best he could in the terms that the first century church would be able to connect with. He says in verse 12, Also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. There's three gates on the east, there's three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. And the city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, its length breadth and height are equal. And then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And in essence, what he's saying, it's about 1,400 miles wide, long, and high. Its length, its breadth, its height, 1,400 miles? Are you kidding me? Do you realize how long that is? It's 1,500 miles from Phoenix to New Orleans. That's one big city. Some say, well, we don't know if it's for sure, if it was a square, even though the song says, John said the city was four square. But anyway, we don't know if it was square or if it was pyramid. I kind of look at it as kind of a a big square. I, I have no problem with that. Is that, again, symbolic? I don't know. I mean, he says that, man, all of these gates are there. He measures it out with a full measurement. He even says that the wall there was 216 feet, probably speaking of the height of the wall that went around it. That makes it, I think, about 18 stories tall, the wall that surrounded this city. He says that the construction of its wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Let me think for a minute here. The city was pure gold. I have absolutely no idea what the cost of gold is today, but they're going to be using it as brick and mortar then. That's what it's going to be used for at that point in time. The beauty of it, the splendor of it. What's John trying to say is that it's absolutely priceless, beautiful, beyond anything that we could even begin to imagine. And he goes on to say all these precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. Really? I mean, you got to think, okay, is that what he's saying, that there is a 
pearl that huge or is he just saying the beauty of it? I'm not too worried either way at that point in time. What I'm saying is, is that he is saying it's just so absolutely magnificent. Can God make a pearl that big? That's one big oyster, but yeah, I think that he could do that. The street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. Interesting thing is John looked, he said, but I saw no temple in it. That doesn't make sense to me. I saw no temple in it. But then he says, I saw no temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. So on that new heavens that was made, no sun, no moon. Wasn't needed. The Lamb is its light. The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. The kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. The whole system of things is totally changed. There's no night. There's no seasons. The gates never close. You understand that in that culture, the gates were always closed at night because that was the protection against the enemy. But here, since there is no night, he says the gates are open all day. He says in verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So he asked me, so David, what does that mean? I mean, who's coming and going? What's what all's going there? If we as the church are the ones that are coming down, then who are all these others? Well, there's a whole lot of things that I just don't know. Okay, I'll just be absolutely honest with you. We just don't know. And you can read a ton of different commentators. And again, like I tell you, they're just commentators. They're not special taters at all. They're commentators. Okay, Some of them have really great ideas. Some of them have ideas that you think, I don't know where they came up with that. But again, you can look and you can get all kinds of ideas and thoughts. And I could spurt out to you a lot of different ideas. I just don't know. But I do know this one thing. It is a glorious, glorious eternity that awaits those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And it is a truly hellacious, never-ending torment forever and ever for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. You're still here. You're still sucking air, as we say. And there's people that you and I know that don't know Christ. And if we really believe that the hour is late, that at any moment, at any time, the Lord could come for his church or come to end it all, how pressed are we, how passionate are we about the greatness of the grace that is ours to be able to share with those that don't have it? I, I'm just crazy enough to believe that what is written here is real and it's true. And it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, in God's mind, it is. It's there. It's a done deal. And so it ought to make a difference on how I live, how I spend my life. Not just because I'm a pastor. Not just because I, quote unquote, have to because it's my job. But because I'm no longer who I was. I'm a child of God now.
Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we know you'll want to come back for more. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen back through other teachings, you can find them all at theopenword.com under the Teachings tab. We hope today's message has touched your heart, settled some questions you've had, and maybe even caused you to ask a dozen more. If you do have questions, we'd love to do all we can to answer them. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd love to pray for you, too, and learn more about your journey of faith. Once again, that number is 520-836-9676. We believe that God has given us the church so that we can learn more about Him and about living together in community. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Thanks for listening to The Open Word. If you're in the Casa Grande area and looking for a church home, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Welcome you to our community of believers here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet weekly on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. You'll be able to find out more about us and get directions by visiting theopenword.com. And under the links at the bottom of the page, click on Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. But join us to learn more from the pages of Revelation right here on The Open Word.